We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity, a podcast celebrating generosity at work. Not financial giving, giving valuable time, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. You are in for a treat today. We've got none other than Tamika Easter Rice. And we're going to talk today about how to be generous in our communities. Tamika Easter Rice is a dynamic, results-oriented professional with a 20-year history of building rapport at all levels, utilizing exceptional marketing, sales, communication, interpersonal, presentation, training, and leadership skills. Tamika is experienced in developing and facilitating comprehensive and impactful marketing campaigns, an award-winning marketing professional in the financial services industry. She is a national conference speaker on influencer marketing and employee advocacy programs. Tamika recently launched the Joy Group, which aims to help small businesses and nonprofits maximize social and digital marketing. Tamika is passionate about financial literacy, female empowerment, and higher education. Tamika, along with her husband, George, and two teenagers and three doggies live in Wilmington, Delaware. Tamika, I am thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. I'm thrilled to be here. And we have the pleasure of knowing each other thanks to Cassandra Moore. Yes. Cassandra Moore and the More You Know group, which is her organization, she has these career cafes and you were her guest speaker and your topic, which is about social media marketing. Yeah, we were talking about building your personal brand. Yeah, exactly, which was eye-opening, so helpful. So that's why I was so excited to be able to share you today and talking about a topic that's near and dear to your heart, which is giving. Yes, one of my favorite topics. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, for sure. So one of the things that we're gonna talk about today is volunteering in our communities. Like, Tell me why that is such a driving force for you. So for me, I think it's always been about giving back and realizing that there's so much out there and the learning opportunities that come with it. So I've always just been a natural leader from, you know, being in elementary school for high school. I attended um, one of the top schools in the country. It's a magnet school in St. Louis, Missouri, and we were required to do 240 hours of community service to graduate. Every other school had a commitment of 10 hours. And so that, I think, really jump-started so many opportunities out there. You can always find a way to give back and connect it with something that you love. But I really think that helped, you know, just uh, really build me up and teach me, like, the importance of giving back. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And do you recall back then, was this something that you were naturally motivated to do, or is it something you learned to love? I think it was something I was naturally motivated to do. Um, Like, you know, growing up, I was a 
babysitter. I was a nanny in college. And so one of the very first places I volunteered was the Salvation Army at uh, one of their centers. And so I was responsible for playing games with the kids while their parents went to different classes and workshops. And so, you know, that came natural to me just finding a place where this is a skill that I already have. So how can I use this to help somebody else? Brilliant. Oh my gosh. And how that has transcended all through your life into what you're doing now. Yes. And it's, you know, I think the important thing about it is you establish a tradition, you know, within your family, like even though you have teenagers, so, you know, sometimes you get the eye rolls and all of that, um, but they are always watching what you're doing. And so, you know, both of my kids are volunteering. So my daughter and I actually just worked the primary election in Delaware. So we were assigned to two different polling stations, which was a little weird. We tried to get uh, assigned to the same one, but it didn't work out. And so we both worked the Delaware, you know, primary elections. Uh, She actually signed up before me and uh, they had an overflow in workers. And I was like, look at this, my child is going to be a volunteer and I'm not going to have an assignment. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully it worked out. I actually went to training class with her, even though I was not signed up. I was like, what's the worst they can do? Send me away. So I was like, they never assigned me to a class. I signed up late. I went to class, got placed that night and uh, we had a great time. That is awesome. And I love that you also taught her proactivity. You know, she saw the opportunity, she got in there and that's like really local to your community because those primary elections are so critical for, you know, our day-to-day lives. Yes. So a couple of different volunteer opportunities that you've taught me about and and are committed to. One is boards. So we should talk a bit about board work and what does that look like and what people should expect. Another one is mentoring a topic yes. near and dear to my heart. You've also talked about impact days and volunteer hours. Um, and then you've um, taught me a term giving strategy, which I deeply believe in. So why don't we start with board work? Cause I think that that's something that is intriguing to people, but it feels intimidating or the land of the unknown. So what can you teach us about board work? So fortunately my first board experience was an awesome board experience. And I have to credit um, Amy Laramore who happened to be the chairman of the first board that I served on. And she actually teaches classes on board governance at Notre Dame. So this is definitely like I learned from the best. Mm -hmm. So that's important. You know, getting in with the board that is well organized, well run, especially for your first experience is going to make a difference. Um, But it was intimidating. I was a young professional just starting out and having that level of leadership and influence was really helpful in keeping me engaged uh, with the board. But if you don't have that opportunity, I would say there are programs like Get On Board where you can um, you know, go to training sessions where they can teach you more about board uh, membership and what does that mean? What are your responsibilities for being a board member? I would also say um, they have some events in some communities where you can sort of like go to a job fair, but it's for board events or for boards. And so you can talk to the people at the organization, learn a little bit more about the organization and then like what skills that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So you can connect with like young professional groups in your area to learn more about those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Like here in Wilmington, 
I believe I've seen the Urban League do a similar event for their young professionals committee. And then lastly, reach out to people. Um, so I had a young professional say, hey, I have an interest in financial literacy. So do you know of any boards? And so we went through a list of boards. She even met with um, someone that served on my board just to learn a little bit more about it. Um, she decided to go with another opportunity, but it's mm -hmm. definitely within that financial literacy space. And it was you know, one of the places I recommended. So I definitely say look for um, those training opportunities where you can learn more about what does it mean to be a board member and network with other people. And then I would say you probably could learn a lot if your first board experience isn't an organized board, but I definitely recommend an organized board. So I think it helps you participate in a more strategic way. I'm still a big fan of individual volunteerism um, and volunteering at specific events and, and things like that. And then the board participation is just another level. Mm -hmm. And so many boards help set the vision, the long-term strategic vision for an organization. So where will this organization be in three to five years? Many boards also are responsible for hiring the uh, the executive director or executive officer um, of that organization and conducting performance evaluations and, and pay raises. Boards may be responsible for drafting bylaws and things like that. And so I think for me, it provides an opportunity to have a more strategic impact into mm -hmm. that organization versus volunteering. And so that's why I think you have to be really committed to the board that you choose to serve because you're going to be giving a lot. Now I say that you're going to be giving a lot, but you'll receive a lot in return. So one of the boards that I'm on, I was recruited to join the finance committee. So my degree is in accounting. Surprise, surprise. I thought I was going to work for back then it was the big five and then it was the big four. Mm -hmm. um, so I just knew I was going to be an accountant and senior year during that interview phase and all of the accountants came in and they were like, this is what to expect. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to talk to people. I'm going to be in an office. So it was too late to change my major. So I stuck it out, uh, went yeah. into the finance industry. I say that to say I've never worked in accounting. I did do taxes for a number of years, but to me, that's very different than accounting. Yeah. And um, this is a stretch assignment for me. I had to reach out to my friend who was a CPA and say, I sort of remember a balance sheet and an income statement. Can you give me a tutorial? Yeah. Um, I had to watch webinars. I signed up with the class with Dana, which is uh, the Delaware Non-for-Profit Association that helps uh, non-for-profits. I've done it all. It yeah. has been a stretch assignment, but I know how to read an income statement. I know how to read a balance sheet now. So yeah. it was it was worth it. Um, and then I also think personal connections. Um, so I've worked mm -hmm. with some fabulous people on some, uh, you know, many boards and those relationships last a lifetime. Yeah. Um, so just that power of connection and then knowing this company provides this service. This is how they make an impact. Um, yeah. Being able to recruit people to help people for a cause that's bigger than yourself. Those are some of the, uh, the things that you you get back. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So to have that professional development, those personal connections, learn about different industries and practice your influence skills. 
That is so true. Um, I had a job and in this job, I spent about, oh, maybe three years going through policies and procedures uh, with the legal and compliance team. And so we were doing a bylaw review for one particular committee. And, and so I was like going through uh, the different sections. And I was like, this doesn't line up with the policy and this doesn't do that. And someone stopped and they were like, are you an attorney? And I was like, no, but here is an experience that I hated at the time. Right. Yeah. And it has served me so well because I've worked on bylaws in almost every single organization that I've been on. Those kinds of experiences in your workplace can definitely, you know, help out um, the board that you're serving on. Absolutely. And you mentioned Amy Laramore. Yes. Right. And she yes. is she the one that coined the phrase, the giving strategy. Yes. Yes. So we were um, actually on a panel together. And so she said, you have to get your giving strategy together. You have to get your giving story together. And so it's really a philosophy that you put pen to paper and you really say for my time, talent and treasure, this is how I will have a strategic impact. Mm -hmm. And so really thinking about giving as a long term strategic initiative and not as a short term. And so my giving strategy at first was I give to support those organizations that sponsor uh, or support financial literacy, because that's important to me, uh, women in leadership, you know, girls in leadership and higher education. And she actually said, you need to do an audit and make sure your giving matches up with your strategy. So I did the audit. I just looked at all of the organizations, added them up, put them in categories. That's the accountant in me. Mm -hmm. And then I said, oh, my goodness, I gave a, a particular lump sum. Uh, for me, it was for my church. And so uh, that was my number one category. And she goes, so I think you have to adjust your, your giving statement to acknowledge that that's something that's important to you. And so I know we all have different you know, belief systems and I, I honor and respect those. And for me, I, I had to say, I give first to honor God. Then I give to those other things and I reserve, you know, a percentage of my giving to support my family and friends because those connections are important to me. Yeah. And so if you're giving, you know, you're organizing a race or a walk for a cause that's near to dear to you, I don't want to be like, oh, that doesn't fit my giving strategy. That's not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to be able to support you. And so that really helped me refocus are my board assignments committed to this? Are the volunteer opportunities committed to this? Is my giving aligned with this particular strategy? When we come back, we will hear Tamika's giving story. If you had more time in your day, what would you do with it? Listening to podcasts might not be the first thing you think of. Maybe that's because you're thinking podcasts take too much time to listen to. But what if there were podcasts designed with your time in mind? Podcasts that spoke to you. Podcasts that you could listen to in short segments. We've put together podcasts exactly like that. The Quad Pod Network is coming soon. Check out QODPOD.com for more details. And we're back with more with Tamika Easter Rice. So your giving story is, I first give to honor God. I give to champion causes that support women and girls, financial empowerment, and higher education. I also give to support the causes that my family and friends embrace. 
So well said. And I, I also appreciate that you worked on it. You got feedback, right? It's it's something that is like any good strategy. It's it's a work in progress and it evolves. It definitely does. And I think that feedback loop is so important to check with people that know you and say, does this sound right? Does this feel right? Sometimes as givers, we are overwhelmed, especially when you're a natural giver. You have a tendency to give until your cup is dry. As much as it's important to refill other people, our giving strategy, like you said, helps us make sure that we're not overextending ourselves mm -hmm. because it's so easy to get overextended, but we can't give or pour into anyone else's life if our cup is empty. It's really enables you to give more when you are making sure that you're refilling your cup that's yeah. such a great point, having those intentions and that clarity. And that's why the joy group was so important because I have to choose joy. I may not be joyful at the moment. I have to choose it, right? It's a choice. Just living in that, living in a space of, of gratitude mm -hmm. and grace. Um, I think that's so important. The amazing thing is how much more we get when we give. And I think mentoring is a great example of that. But talk to us a little bit about mentoring. My mom was my first mentor. So um, my first job was in corporate America at 16. It was through an internship program. And my mom said, you know, here, here are three things for you. Um, first one was, uh, you know, the same people you meet on your way up, you're going to meet those on the way down. And so my mom was a stay at home mom and occasionally would work 10 jobs. And uh, for her, it was important that you treat the custodial staff the same way you treat the head of marketing. And so that has just always been something near and dear to me. And I actually watch and see how people treat other people um, who serve them like in a restaurant and things like that. I think that's a character thing. Um, another thing that my mom, you know, would always say, uh, if, you, if you stroke out tomorrow, they'll replace you the next week. Her story wasn't don't work hard, but sometimes I think we become our titles and we become uh, our position, right? And so life is, is about more than that. And so we have to be careful. And then the other thing she taught me is there's always something that needs to be done. So whether it's wiping a counter down or sweeping a floor, there is always something that needs to be done. So don't stand around looking for something to do. And so even though she gave me that advice many years ago, those have, you know, held true. And so I'm always, you know, looking for opportunities to connect with others. For me, mentoring is a two-way street. It should be a two-way conversation. It should be an engaging thing. It's not just me saying, here's what you need to know. It's me really listening. And so um, one of my favorite mentoring relationships is going on 20 years. So I mentored a young lady in a cotillion uh, many, many moons ago. And um, she became a part of the family. Like she's on our Christmas cards, like part of the family. Like one year she wasn't on the card and my dad was like, what happened to her? Where and I'm she? like, we moved, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't make it happen. Um, and, but what I learned in that relationship is 
it is her journey. It is her choices. Even if I don't agree with them, my job is to listen. And it has taught me to be a better listener. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the most important things about mentoring is if you do it right, mm -hmm. it not only changes them, but it changes you. Totally agreed. And I love that story and that commitment and loyalty to her. Can you talk a little bit about informal and formal mentoring? This is what informal mentoring looks like to me. Hey, would you like to grab a cup of coffee? Would you like to go for a walk? Yeah. Um, and let's just, you know, let's just chat. One of my girlfriends like to, uh, likes to say, you need to get your board of directors, right? And so I have a group of a couple of people that I'll say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this thing. What do you think about it? And to me, that's more of like an informal you know, check-in kind of thing. It can happen over text message. It doesn't have to be every third Thursday, we're gonna get together at 5.30. You know, organizations that you involved are involved in may have mentorship programs. I think really strong boards connect a new board member to an existing board member to make sure they have a, a smooth program. But one thing that I will recommend is finding a mentor that doesn't look like you and doesn't think like you. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, especially on social media, we surround ourselves with people that say and think and do just like we do. I mean, who doesn't want to be surrounded by friends? But I think growth occurs when you're uncomfortable right. and you want to be able to learn from someone else. And you may not always like anything that they say, but I guarantee that perspective will be valuable. So find someone who doesn't look like you. That is such great advice. And I think that that also is true for ERGs, employee resource groups, you know, to participate in groups who aren't necessarily your inherent group, but, but people who you could support, you mm -hmm. could learn from, you can be an ally for, or just very simply, you know, be more educated about what their challenges are. It makes you a much better individual. I mean, I think we can all agree diversity makes us all better. And so diversity and thought is important for exactly the reason you said. So how about impact days? You talked about impact days. So a lot of companies have impact days where the whole company may go out together um, to volunteer for uh, a particular thing. So uh, for me, um, Girl Scouts is an organization that I love. And so Delmarva, their employees came out and helped cut down trees at one of our camp properties. Um, but just to see so many people come together to help other people. Yeah. And I know like, I do a lot of work with Comcast and they have Comcast Cares Day and now it's Comcast yeah. Cares Week. And I believe it's going to eventually become Comcast Cares Month because all of the teams get so into it. And it's exactly what we're saying is that, you know, they first did it because they want to make a difference. They want to be out in the community. They want to, you know, be of service. But then the teams got so much joy from it. And they felt so like they were like the best day of the year is the day they were all doing service together. Yes, I think the enthusiasm is contagious. Mm -hmm. And once people see it, they want to become a part of it. And it really helps you build community at your organization. First, understand what you're passionate about and then find organizations. But no, this does not have to be an every Saturday commitment from nine to 12 or um, or two year commitment. Start with just one day service projects. I think it's just important that you start and you align and find something you're personally passionate about that you're going to bring the vision to. Let's talk a little bit about being generous with feedback and telling people what they need to hear, not just what they want to hear. 
So I think the important thing there is making sure that person is ready for that feedback, that that is something that they actually want to receive. So I think you really have to test your relationship and say, you know, I have some feedback, wondering if you're willing to, to hear this. It may be something you have not heard before, but I'd really like to share, you know, some of my observations with you. You don't want to say something that could really impair someone's emotional and mental well-being, you know, so there are concerns that people have when they're giving feedback. But I think when it's out of love and it's in service to the person, that person obviously cares deeply about you and wants the best version of you, which I think is that's where growth happens, right? It happens right. in those uncomfortable moments or in that in that level of like deep stress. Always look at a situation and say, what can I what can I get out of this? You know, you've been to conferences and there are speakers that deliver and there are speakers where you're like, ooh, okay, I'm struggling to follow along here. But my mindset is there is one thing that I'm going to get out of this conversation. There is one thing, one nugget that was planted, especially for me. And yeah. so think about that in your relationships. Yesterday, I attended a conference. It's the Women in Cable Telecommunications. They have an annual leadership conference. And this year was all virtual. And they had Angela Duckworth, who wrote the book. Ooh. She said something that you just said, which is to treat everything that happens in your life as an opportunity to learn. Yes. So just say, you know, how can I be stronger because of this? How can I learn? And who do I need? Like That's one of the reasons why we have Wednesday Live is I think it's important to connect with thought leaders like you to give us some inspiration, to give us some energy or some new motivation to kind of get going and, and to be a part of a community, like, you know, to gather with people and share ideas. Being in a community and connecting with people who are cheering and saying, I want to see you win. I want to see great things happen. And I'm excited for when they happen. You just can't beat that positive energy. So for me, community is so important, who you surround yourself with. Absolutely. What would you say are organizational benefits to things like that? What are the ROI. So the return on investment, I think you hit on the on the big ones, but I think the first one is you have a return on uh, connecting people with your mission and your brand. We hear so much about brand and how people connect with brands. You know, people connect with brands who give back. People connect with brands who do good work in the community. So I think it's important for brands to help connect people to their mission. So that's mm -hmm. the first piece. Uh, the second piece is it connects people with your community where you live and where you serve. And to actually have that connection with the community around your office and to build that with people that you work with. I think those are the three big connections, community, people, you know, and your brand. And I think those are the largest returns. Your employees are your greatest resources as well as your greatest ambassadors of the brand. Well said, Tamika. That is awesome advice. There are so many ways in which we can connect with people and serve. And you just said it so, so well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here today and be blessed. ROG takeaway tip, how you can apply what we've heard to your own work and life. Tamika is a natural giver. She gave us healthy food for thought. She even gave us three keys from her mother's wisdom that we could practice. One, treat everyone the same. Two, 
You're not your title. You are you and your service. And three, there's always something that can be done. Maybe you want to be on a board. Maybe you want to be a mentor. Maybe you want to volunteer your time and talent in another way. What's a small step you could take as a result of her inspiring message? When Tamika said gratitude and grace, that's the key takeaway for each of us to model. Gratitude. What are you grateful for right now? What's something that you may be taking for granted today that you could be more grateful for? Maybe it's the technology we're using to connect on this podcast. Maybe it's the freedom that you have to listen to the content you want. What are you grateful for? Who are you grateful for? Who's someone in your life who makes you happy? Just thinking of them right now makes you feel so good. Do they know how grateful you are for them? Please find a way to contact them today and let them know how you feel. And grace. There are so many ways to practice grace. The perfume I wear from Philosophy is called Amazing Grace. And on the bottle it says, close your eyes and see the faces of those that you love. As you breathe out, push away their pain. As you breathe in, take with you their eternal peace. Now give this same grace to those whom you do not love and let a healing process begin for you and them. Wow, that's beautiful. In this divided world we live in, let's remember Tamika's message. Giving is a multiplier. It accrues interest and dividends. Let's all earn equity by breathing out pain, breathing in eternal peace, and doing for those we love, those we don't, and those we may never meet but know we can serve. The way out of fear is love. Generosity is the way to express that love. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.